This is The Mystic Show, episode 191. Here we go. Time to relax. Take it down a notch. Well, hello there, and welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm glad you, yes, you, you're here to join me. We're here to chat today. My name is Chris Curran. The show we talk about spirituality and meditation and mindfulness and and all things deeper. That's one thing about this show that I really wanted is to keep the conversation very deep and not superficial, or I should say more deep than superficial, <laughs> because in some sense, uh, well, even speaking about these things is superficial. The purpose of this show is for you and I to move forward on the spiritual path. And if you practice the best of what we talk about, it'll make a big difference in your life. You can listen and subscribe to this podcast anywhere and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And of course, our website, themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net. There's a really cool 40 plus minute audio project I made, which you can get for free. It's called Relax with Rumi. It's four different tracks of selected Rumi quotes, and I read them over some really relaxing music. It's really cool. You just sign up for the uh, behind-the-scenes emails, and you know, whenever we release an episode, we'll send you an email and just say, hey, and a little behind-the-scenes info, not much. And uh, anyway, you get Relax with Rumi, which is a really cool little audio project. If you haven't heard it yet, it's pretty cool. Nice to put it on and just relax, you know, not really meditate because... You can't really meditate when you're listening to something. Meditation is really doing nothing in a passive way. So today I want to talk about a couple topics and might be a relatively short episode because I actually have a session to record in about half an hour. (laughs) But the first idea is groupism and groupism is where people get together as a group and then they have an identity as a group. And then the individuals in the group sort of become submissive to the group itself and usually the leader of the group as well. So it ends up that the group is in control and not the individuals. And, you know, this has happened throughout history. This happens, I mean, it, every every group is <laughs> could be under this heading of groupism to one degree or another, for sure. I think in the United States right now, in the political arena, we're seeing groupism almost to the extreme. I won't say to the extreme because Jordan Peterson would say that, that would, the extreme would be in the 20th century when these communist countries killed tens and and tens of millions of people because of their groupism, basically. So I grew up playing sports and I was part of many teams. And I was even in 
bands, right? As a drummer, I was part of several bands and that's like a team as well or a group, right? And I really appreciated the group dynamic. There's something with being part of a team that is great. You know, you feel the camaraderie, you feel the shared sense of purpose and you, you know, part of your identity becomes being a member of that team, right? You just sort of see yourself as a member of that team. That's part of your identity, right? So we choose our team pretty much, and then we stick to it usually. So, you know, it's a choice to pick a team. And then once we become part of the team and once we, it becomes part of our identity, we sort of start fighting with others around us, other teams, right? We're, we're opposing other teams, Maybe fighting is not the right word. We oppose everything else but our team. Our team is the best. Our team is right. Our team is correct. Everyone else is inferior. But it's funny that some of the movie movies show that when there's an extraterrestrial threat, like when aliens come down and threaten humanity, all humanity comes together. Isn't that interesting? Like one big team. And in a spiritual sense, we are one big team. We are one big group. And in my mind, that, that's the primary group that we're part of, human beings. Because we're different than bears. We're different than snakes. Most of us. <laughs> oh, man. I just had a bad business deal. And whatever. So, uh, yeah, there you go. See, that's like a team being, being a partner is sort of like being part of a team. Anyway, if an extraterrestrial comes down and threatens humanity, we all come together as human beings. And, and really that's the main commonality we have with each other is that we are human beings and we're all the same. Now we have superficial differences, you know, skin color, language, location, but we're all human beings. That's undeniable. And that's why when people come together in, in true spiritual harmony for, for a true spiritual purpose, not, not groupism, when people come together for a true spiritual purpose, there's a wonderful energy that happens because we share that higher purpose because we're all the same. We're all human beings with divinity in our heart. And so, you know, all the lesser teams, if you will, like baseball teams and political teams and uh, business teams, they're all lesser teams. You know, one day we might be part of it. The next day we might not. So we have to be careful as individuals because in the end, we are individuals and we've come here to earth or somehow we appeared here on earth and we have to live a life. And after, and when we die, we're going to go somewhere else. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with what team we're on. It actually doesn't even have anything to do with the human race. You know, the team that we call the human race. Spirituality is an individual journey because in a way what we're doing is we're shattering our individual identity, sort of shattering the ego and being part of the universe or God on every level. So yes, we, of course we are individuals. I have my own body. I have two hands and two, two legs and, 
and it, it's it's my nose, for instance, that's on my face. I get that, but the the depth of ego that I'm wonderful, that I'm a professional. Well, that might be true too. But um, anyway, a lot of the things we identify with, like I own this house. Well, you really don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe on paper and all that, but you know, what happens if a storm comes and blows your house away? Then wh- where's your house? So we have to be careful of what we identify with and, and how our ego operates. And, and of course, ego operates mostly within human interaction. So we fight with other people about our ego. And being part of a group, you know, this groupism aspect that I'm talking about, that's like group ego. You know, it's just false identification with something that's not really real. I mean, you kind of make it real by by subscribing to it. But in reality, it's it's a it's a man-made superficial construct, the ego. Anyway, that's sort of the definition of the ego, right? So there's a story in this book called Influence. There's a book called Influence. It's one of my favorites. It's by uh, Robert Cialdini. And I've, I've talked about it before on the show, but I wanted to read this section, but it's like seven or eight pages. And, and I know legally I'm not allowed to read that much of someone's book without permission. So I really wanted to read you this little story, but I can't and I'm not. I haven't, you know, gone through it really well and taken like I haven't made really good notes that I can go over with you. So I'm not even really going to bother telling you about it. But what it is, it's about this little cult that was in Chicago many years ago that believed that aliens were going to come from outer space and there was going to be a great flood and the aliens were going to save only the members of this group. And it's a really interesting story. And it's interesting what happens when the flood doesn't come and the whole group has to sort of re-identify itself with something else or something slightly different. And, and it's, it's in the section of the book called social proof. And what that means is as human beings, a lot of times we look around at other people and observe them to see what's true, what's real. And this has many advantages because you know, there's so many details of life and so many decisions we have to make and so much information in life that we actually don't have time to go through it all to make a decision. So we use like, you know, rules of thumb, just common wisdom or common sense, whatever you want to call it. And, and part of that is what we see other people doing. If we see other people going over and drinking from a water source, then we kind of think, okay, it's safe for me to go drink from that water source. So social proof is a strong influencer over individual human beings. Anyway, that was a really great story. But I guess my point with this whole groupism idea is that we should be one group and we should make an effort to identify as one group and not splintered into many, many different groups. I mean, in reality, we can be in different groups but we shouldn't divide each other up by that. We shouldn't fight with each other over that. Okay, fine. You're in this group. I'm in that group. Okay, fine. What's the big deal? Even professional sports, most professional athletes, they compete against each other, but they don't hate each other and they don't, 
you know, if they if they see each other in a restaurant after the game, they might chat and say, hey, how you doing? And so just because we're part of different teams doesn't mean we have to fight and argue and get crazy. That's descending into the lower aspects of ego. So what can we do? Well, we can treat other people that way all the time. You know, part of building your character on this spiritual journey, which the masters say that your character is of immense importance on a spiritual journey. And guess what? It's up to you to build your character and to mold your character. And a big part of your character is, is interactions with other people. And if, if, if I can, for instance, if I can move through the world and treat other people, treat every other human being as if, hey, you're my teammate. We're on the same team here. If I could treat everyone like that, that, that would be part of a good character, <laughs> I think. You know, and of course, it's the golden rule. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated. So, so that's very simple, but I think it takes a little bit of higher awareness to even accept that. Like, intellectually, that makes sense, what I just said. It makes sense, intellectually. But putting it into practice... Why is that not so easy? <laughs> Why does that prove difficult? Well, it's because we're identified with our group and we're identified with our ego and we don't want to part with that. The ego is a sly customer. Man, right? So the other thing I wanted to talk about today are some words, actually. And I started thinking about these words because... We, we get caught up in our own story as we live our life, you know. We sort of start living a certain way and having a certain character and having a certain background. You know, yeah, I grew up in New Jersey and whatever. And, you know, I haven't had, I'm not, I'm not a good businessman. I've been screwed a few times. And, uh, but technology comes easy to me and, and I'm really good with audio. And like, that's all part of, that's all part of my story, right? Actually. So we all have a story and, and it's sort of that story you have for yourself. That's actually like defining yourself and it might be true, but it's also putting up barriers around yourself and, and sort of keeping you in a little box that you created for yourself. That's what the story does in a way. So, Breaking out from that story and, and going into other areas in your life or having success with something that you didn't have success with before, that's breaking out of your story. And, and so I started thinking of, you know, on the spiritual journey, one of the things we're doing is we're emulating the masters, right? The great masters of spirituality who have lived. There's been many saints, right? And we can read about them, yes. We can talk about them, yes. We can quote them, okay. But the real deal is living like they lived. With the same character, with the same heart, all that. So, which is a lot. <laughs> anyway, so to get from, so here's the journey. For me to get from my little personal story to me living like the great masters, that's a shift in character. And there's certain ways that the masters act. 
And there's certain words that describe the masters. And I just thought it'd be interesting to just list some of these words and read the definitions. And the first word that came to mind was classy, right? Think about classy, being classy. I'm actually going to look up the antonym of classy. And it says inelegant, inferior, plain. So classy means elegant, high class, you know, high class, as opposed to low class. You know, when people make dirty jokes and that's not classy, right? So the great masters are classy. They never descend into that low class, right? In their behavior. Here's the definition of high class rank or grade stylish admirably smart elegant okay so classy i would you like to be known as a classy individual hmm, i think so another word is graceful characterized by elegance or beauty of form manner movement or speech elegant so there's the word elegant again reminds me of when i used to listen to tony robbins all the time and he would say, if you have a situation in your life, how can you respond most elegantly instead of just reacting rashly? So we have classy, we have graceful. How about authentic? People throw around that word these days all the time. Authentic, representing one's true nature or beliefs, true to oneself or to the person identified. So true to yourself. In a way, so that means if you meet another human being and you treat them as if they are not part of your team, if you treat them as if you're not on the same team, that's inauthentic because you are on the same team. And to be true to that, to be true to yourself, to be authentic, you have to treat every other human being as if they're on your team. They're your teammate. Think about that. Kingly. I love this adjective, kingly, stately or splendid, or resembling, suggesting, or befitting a king. Regal, royal. Actually, what does royal mean? Royal means descended from or related to a king or line of kings. I mean, if that doesn't describe you as a human being, I don't know what does. You are descended directly from a line of great kings great masters. You're related to the great masters. You're family to the great masters. And they would want nothing more for you than for you to become a great master and live that way. All right. Sagacious. That's another word. Comes from the root word sage. Sage is also a synonym for like a, a, a mystic or a wise man, right? So sagacious, having or showing acute mental discernment and keen practical sense, shrewd. So practical sense, think about that. The great masters demonstrate great practical sense. It's practical to accept everyone in your life, every other human being as your teammate. That's practical because <laughs> we're all trying to survive the same way. And we all go through the same experiences, same emotions. Okay, wise. Well, there's a word we've all heard a million times. Wise. 
Wise, having the power of discerning and judging properly as to what is true or right. Possessing discernment, judgment, or discretion. So here that word discernment comes up again. And of course, the great masters talk about discrimination as one of the most important spiritual qualities. And discernment and discrimination in, in, the, in this topic mean the same thing. We have to be able to know what's good for us and what's right for us. If we don't know that, then we're just going to be acting like crazy people doing all different things. And of course, causing a lot more problems for ourselves, right? Since that's what we do, typically. Okay, serene. That's a nice word. My wife loves that word, serene. Calm, peaceful, or tranquil. Unruffled. Unruffled. Does that describe you? Are you unruffled? I must say lately, I've been getting ruffled a little bit. <laughs> anyway, but look, and, and no one's perfect, right? That's the other thing. Unruffled. I love that word. All right. Poise. Poise. A state of balance or equilibrium. Poise also means a dignified, self-confident manner or bearing. Composure. Self-possession. Think about that, self-possession. Do you have possession of yourself? Or are you just being played by groupism? Is, is the leader of the group playing you? Is the leader of the group controlling you like Pinocchio with strings? Or are you self-possessed? Do you possess yourself? Poise also means steadiness or stability. So steadiness is, is a big one too, right? In spirituality. Same with moderation. All right, and the last one is honor. Honor, not the person. I know there's a person, Honor Finnegan. She's a wonderful singer and student of spirituality in New York City. Look up her music, Honor Finnegan. It's wonderful. But the word honor as a noun means honesty, fairness, or integrity in one's beliefs and actions. I'm going to read that again. Honesty, fairness, or integrity in one's beliefs and actions. So these are wonderful words. I don't know, maybe you want to write them down and just read them from time to time. I mean, right? It's just reminders of, wouldn't it be great to, for though all those words to describe your character and for people to know you as classy, graceful, authentic, kingly, royal, sagacious, wise, serene and poised and having honor. Wow. So, you know, if you watch movies like The Godfather or if you read about, you know, any of the great spiritual masters, they acted like royalty. They acted kingly. They acted classy and graceful. They don't act like the average person. They're not going to just go into a bar and and be all crazy and do violence. They're not going to. They're much higher class than that. So I'd like to close with a quote by Henry David Thoreau. This is a wonderful quote. This, is, this has to be one of my favorite quotes. And part of it, you've, I'm sure you've heard before, it's part of a famous quote, but that one line or two lines of the famous quote is within a whole paragraph. And when you read the entire paragraph, 
it's way better. It's, it's just, just incredible. So I'm going to read this. Henry David Thoreau. I have learned this, at least by my experiment, that if one advances confidently in the direction of their dreams and endeavors to live the life that they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected in common hours. They will put some things behind and pass an invisible boundary. New, more universal, and more liberal laws will begin to establish themselves around and within this one. The old laws will be expanded and interpreted in their favor. And one begins to live with the license of a higher order of being. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put foundations under them. That was Henry David Thoreau. I'm happy you could join me for this episode of The Mystic Show. I'm happy to be on the spiritual journey with you. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode, go to the website, themysticshow.net. You can comment on this post, episode 191. I hope you have a great day, a great week, and as always, keep shining.